You're listening to the weekly podcast of Cayo, the youth ministry of the Father's House in Owensboro, Kentucky. Cayo is a healthy home for teens who are loved like family as sons and daughters that embrace their kingdom identity and purpose to change the world. At Cayo, you're home. Welcome to Cayo. We're glad you guys are here. So excited to continue. Reset. Everybody say reset. Look to somebody next to you and say brand new. Brand new. All right. Hey, give the worship team one more big hand clap. Thank you, guys. We're not done yet. Awesome. Well, hey, last week we're continuing a series called Reset to make brand new, a new start, a do-over to set things right for proper healing and proper alignment to set things right, basically. So last week I talked about Renewing our mind and transforming our lives. If we renew our mind with the Word of God, we transform our lives. Everybody say, renew my mind. Transform our lives. It all starts with the Word of God. And I talked about how the reason why sometimes people don't want to renew their mind is because of the word reprobate. The word reprobate means to be, it comes from a Greek word that means cast away or reject. And cast away basically means like Romans 1 talks about people will know the truth and clearly see the invisible attributes of God and no truth and no right, but they will reject it for a lie. And the people that know truth and reject truth or know right and reject right and continue to do wrong or continue to ignore and just abandon all truth and really reject God, it means literally they become a castaway. Now, there's a movie with Tom Hanks called Castaway, came out about 22, 23 years ago. There he is right there. His name, he's a FedEx employee named Chuck Nolan, and he gets on a plane, and there ends up being a massive storm, and then they crash, and for four years, he's trapped on an island. He, and that is his volleyball named Wilson. That's his best friend named Wilson. If you've got a best friend named Wilson, congratulations. But... He's, he's talking to himself. He's making fire. He sounds crazy. You know, there's one scene in the movie where he literally gets mad at Wilson, who can't talk, kicks him out of the cave they're staying in, and then he, he gets mad at him, basically cusses him out, kicks him out, and then he gets upset because Wilson's gone, and he goes to look for Wilson. He thinks he's gone. He freaks out, and then he's glad to find Wilson. Eventually, though, he does lose Wilson, and he had, there's like, actually, it's probably one of the most moving moments in the movie. That his best friend is a volleyball. It sounds crazy, but if you're stranded and isolated by yourself for four years on an island, sometimes you don't think straight. Sometimes you talk to volleyballs. Sometimes you start acting weird. What happens is the further we cast ourselves away from God, a lot of times the weirder we can become. Say, Pastor Darrell, that doesn't make any sense. I'm here to tell you, you don't realize it at the time. You know, a lot of people, I talked to formerly and some coming clean from drug addiction all the time. And, And I'm not just singling them out. But they'll be the first to tell you that they believed a lie. They'll be the first to tell you, like, if I knew then what I know now, I wouldn't have, I wouldn't have started. 
where all the pain, a lot of their pain was passed down from father to son, father to son, or mother to daughter, or mother to son. It came from their parents. It came from their grandparents, and it was passed down because hurt people hurt people. Does that make sense? So you got to be careful. You must renew your mind with the word of God or you'll become a castaway, a person isolated on your own island, isolated away from truth and right and literally living in a world where you think you're God and you get to determine right and wrong. Because a lot of times that's the reality. We live in a world where we get to dictate right and wrong and we worship ourselves. We become our own gods. Our culture doesn't like it for us to say anything might be wrong or bad because our culture wants everything to be permissible and okay and accepted. Ooh, I know that's tough in middle school and high school. See, the more we know truth and we know right, you know, we don't know this. Sometimes it can happen instantly. Sometimes it can happen gradually. But you tend to isolate yourself from the light of God. And things tend to go from, sometimes it's instant, and sometimes it's gradual, but before too long, you're living in darkness, and you don't even know it. You've isolated yourself from all right, all truth, and all of God. I want you to close your eyes for a minute. This is what it's like to be a castaway. You might be in the room tonight, and sometimes you feel like you're alone, like this right now in pitch black. We're not alone in the room, but sometimes the, the look of this room, the all pitch black darkness, that can kind of, that can be what you feel. I'm all alone. I'm isolated. Uh, no one loves me. Or, uh, you know, you, you totally isolate yourself that, you know, you can't be forgiven of something. Or you're just, you have no value or no worth, or you're no good, or you're not pretty enough or you're not smart enough, and you look online, you look on social media, you look around at school, you look in your neighborhood, and you think, oh, you might even look on, on YouTube and go, man, I'm not good enough. All that is isolating yourself. See, the devil, the devil, his name is Satan, and he wants to separate you and isolate you from God. But the thing is, the Bible says that the word is a lamp onto our feet. See, the Bible says... That God's word is a light. And it says it's a lamp onto our feet. And it says a light onto our path. See, the thing is, with the word of God, when we read it, I said last week, the word reads us. Right? So when we read the word of God, it reads us. And it not only reads us, but it shows me exactly where I am. See, we have to tell ourselves the truth, guys. We have to be honest with ourselves. The culture we live in is embracing to not tell the truth to ourselves. We think what we think, we feel what we feel, and it's not true. There's an absolute right, an absolute truth, and there is a wrong. Because if not, then we're all living by our own version of what is true and our own version of what is right, and that's chaos. And last time I checked... God's not the God of chaos, but the word of God is a lamp unto our feet and a light unto our path. So not only does the word of God show us who we are and where, not only who we are and where we are, but where we are to go. 
See, a lot of times we don't know where to go or what to do, but if you read the Word of God, it will light your path. It will show you the way. I don't know about you, but in my, my short lifetime, yours is shorter than mine, I don't know every answer to every question, but I can tell you that the Word of God will light my path. Everybody say, light my path. Kobe, you can turn them back on. So, and the lights are back on. The Bible says, here's what it says. Truth shiny light guides me in my choices and decisions. The revelation of God's word makes my pathway clear. God's word makes the path clear. Again, Satan wants you to be cast away, separated from God. When we stumble in sin, we're, we're rejecting God. And there's three big questions that most people ask. When they stumble in sin or they literally are castaways, because a lot of times we will sin which basically means to miss the mark. We And sin literally is everything that separates us from God, the Father. So the more we sin, the more it separates us. He never leaves us. But one question is, is when I sin or I mess up or I don't miss, uh, miss the mark, does God still love me? Am I still worthy of love? The big question, the big thing we all crave is are we lovable? Some of us are a little more lovable than others. But the real question is, is, are we lovable? The answer is yes. Romans 5, 7 says, even though we were sinners, terrible, it says Jesus died for us. The reality is, is God's not surprised by your sin and doesn't abandon you. God never is surprised by our sin. But the good thing is, is he'll never abandon us. And a lot of times we tend to sin and think, well, I didn't get caught or Nothing bad happened, you know? The thing is, the thing about sin is it's like a door or like a light. It's a light that gradually dims and goes completely black. It doesn't always go from light to darkness. It's gradual. It's like a door that opens. It gradually can close, gradually opens. See, Deuteronomy 31.6 says, Be strong and courageous. Don't be afraid and don't panic. For the Lord your God will personally go ahead of you, he will not fail you, and he won't abandon you. God will never abandon you. The enemy wants you to believe you're lost, alone, confused, and isolated from all hope. You may not realize this now, but a lot of leaders in the room, we can tell you our story. We thought there was no hope. I bet Ben Withrow over here could tell us there was probably a time in his life he thought there was no hope. Is that right? He could say that. He's a little younger than me. I know that my wife could. I know that Caitlin can. I'm sure that Ashton can. I'm sure all of us can. Heed what I'm saying. John 10.10 10 says the thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy. Jesus has come that we would have life, enjoy it, and have it in abundance. Jesus wants us to have an abundant life, not a mundane life, not a boring life. See, not only does God not surprise by your sin, but he doesn't count your sins against you. God doesn't count your sins against you. See, you might know people. I'm going to tell you right now. I knew people in school, and I guarantee you do too. The moment you screw up, they're ready to roast, clown you, throw you under the bus, and do whatever they can. Because it's kill or be killed with some people and their reputation in school. They will clown on somebody. They will roast on somebody. They will lie about you because they're, they wanna, they're just trying to survive. They will literally sell you out to protect themselves. I know I'm speaking truth. 
But the thing is, God doesn't count your sins. God doesn't count your mistakes. God doesn't count your failures or failings against you. Here's what it says in 2 Corinthians 5.16. I'm going to go ahead and tell you what I've already told most of our high school students. Take notes. Because everything I've talked to up to this point since the beginning of the year, up until now, and we're going to continue into February and March, not just on this stuff, but these are faith fundamentals. There are scriptures in here that you need to commit to heart and get it in your heart and get it in your mouth so you know it by heart because you're going to need it. 2 Corinthians 5.16. Pastor Darrell, it's awfully serious. Yes. That's how serious. I've decided to continue talking about the Bible. 2 Corinthians 5.16. From now on, we regard no one from a worldly point of view. If you're in Christ, you don't look at people the way the world does. The world will sell out somebody the moment they screw up. They'll put it all over the news. They'll put it all over social media. They will hang them out to dry. They will literally crucify them uh, with their reputation. They will cancel them in a heartbeat. I'm going to go ahead and get real. The media should be held responsible for every person that gets into some type of sexual sin or scandal. The media should be held responsible because sex is all everywhere we go. It's even in fast food restaurant commercials. It's ridiculous. The media, blame, the media is the first people to crucify them, and they're the ones to blame because they perpetuate it, and they sell out, and they prostitute themselves out to the highest bidder. They'll take money from anybody. And yeah, I said prostitute. Look at your neighbor and say, that's basically saying they're, they're selling themselves out. Real talk tonight, fam. So, so we don't hold people to that worldly view. Pastor Darrell said prostitute. Yeah, it's in the dictionary. <laughs> so it says, though we once regarded Christ. I'm kind of joking, but I'm kind of serious. Some people get real offended by that stuff. It's nothing to be offended about. It's true. The media does it. It's a real word. And guess what? Prostitutes need Jesus. I heard somebody say amen. Though we once regarded Christ in this way, we don't do so any longer. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come, the old is gone, and the new is here. If you are in Christ and you trusted in Jesus as Lord and Savior, if you placed your faith in Jesus, you're not who you used to be. You're not the old version of yourself. Some of you guys aren't that old, but the older version of you stinks compared to the new version in Christ. Yeah, it smells. And the thing is, the old is gone, you're brand new. Then it says, all this is from God who reconciled us to himself, brought us back through Christ, gave us the ministry of reconciliation. Everybody in here is a minister of reconciliation. You've been made right with God through Jesus, and your job is to tell others about it too. It's not just invite them to church. It's to reconcile them back to God through Jesus. Here it is, verse 19. Stick with me. God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ, not counting people's sins against them. And he has committed to us the message of reconciliation. We are therefore Christ's ambassadors as though God were making his appeal through us. We implore you on Christ's behalf be reconciled to God. So the first question, does God still love me? Yes. But it says God doesn't count our sins against us. Instead, he, we're basically bought back and made righteous through Jesus Christ. And our job is to introduce others to Jesus because we've not only been saved of our sins, but we want everybody else to be saved too. 
We want everyone else to be forgiven too. Question number two, a lot of people ask. I placed my faith in Jesus, but I've sinned. And sometimes it's more than once. And sometimes it's the same thing over and over and over. Am I still saved? What does the word saved mean? It comes from salvation. Basically means I gave, placed my faith in Jesus. I repented of my sins. I was forgiven of my sins, past, present, and future. Am I still saved? If I were to die, am I still going to go to heaven? Am I still in God's good graces, basically? Real question. Has anybody ever asked that question? I have. Am I still saved? Are God and I still right? Are we good? Are me and you good? And if you don't ask that question, hmm. See, here's the thing. You got to remember, you didn't save yourself. Did you forgive yourself of your sins? No. You need to be taking notes, Carter. Keep going. Did you save yourself? Did you forgive yourself? No. So why is it, why is it that when we mess up, you know, we basically say, well, we messed up. I'm not saved, I guess. I guess that decision and that prayer I said wasn't real, not true. Scripture says in Ephesians 2, 8, and 9, it says, God saved you by his grace when you believed. And you can't take credit for this. It's a gift from God. Salvation is not a reward for the good things we've done. So none of us can boast about it. For we are God's masterpiece, created new in Christ Jesus, so we can do the good things he planned for us long ago. Here's what I want you to grab hold of. Four things. It says God saves you by his grace, not yours. And it says when you believed. So when you believed, you put your trust in Jesus. His grace saved you. His grace forgave you of all your sins, past, present, and future. The blood of Jesus washed you clean. His grace saved you when you believed. The only thing you did was believe by faith. Salvation is a gift. You can't earn it. You can't brag about it. We live in a culture, and a lot of Christians, even in the church today, think, if I've done 20 good works, me and God are good. Not true. Once again, any good in me is because of Jesus Christ. Period. Any good in you is because of Jesus. Once again, you can't earn it. You can't brag about it. You can't save yourself. Yet, how many times do we beat ourselves up? How many times do we emotionally get depressed and beat ourselves up when we just feel like we're not enough and we're not worthy and we're just not good enough? It's Jesus Christ that makes you good. God has already placed his value on you because he gave everything up to buy you back. He gave up his own son to buy you back and to make you right and to not only go to heaven when you die, but to bring the kingdom of heaven here on earth as you live. You are God's masterpiece created for good works. Notice it doesn't say bad works. You were created by God for good works. That tells me that initially you are good. You were created for good works. You are a good, a, a good designer, a good creation. 
It's the devil that perverts and corrupts everything. See, once again, he wants to get you separated from God, get you cast away, get you isolated, get you away from truth and right in God. Because then, I mean, literally, hell is literally life apart from God. That's what it is. I'm going to say it again. Look to your neighbor say, you aren't bad. A lot of people go, well, I'm bad. No, you made a bad decision. You made a bad decision, but you are not bad. You made a bad decision. Some of y'all don't care when you make bad decisions. Don't worry. Consequences eventually mount up. When I say that, that doesn't mean God writes you off. It just means that God loves you. You made a bad decision, but you yourself are not bad. And here's the kicker. Here's the real kicker. How do I know I'm truly saved? You must endure to the end. And this is your role in it. It says in Matthew 24, 13, the one who endures to the end will be saved. Jesus Christ saves us. We're forgiven of all of our sins, but we've got to endure to the end. That means you've got to keep the faith until the end. Keep the faith in Jesus. God, I don't understand what's going on in my family. Keep the faith in Jesus. Endure to the end. Keep fighting. Keep contending. Hold on to Jesus because he's your hope. So I placed my faith in Jesus, but sin, am I still saved? You didn't save yourself. Jesus did. Yes, you are saved. However, here's the question number three. Does God forgive me? Does God forgive me? It's kind of like, you know, here, I'll start here. Make sure. Does God forgive me? 1 John 1, 9. Write this one down because this verse is the one you need every day. Especially when you feel like you don't measure up or when you mess up. It says, but if we freely admit our sins when his light uncovers them. Remember that light? The word of God. Word of God uncovers it. He will be faithful to forgive us every time. How many times? Every time. His blood is already paid every time for every one of your sins. Pastor Darrell, are you saying it's okay to sin? No, I'm not saying that. I'm going to say it again. It's not okay to sin, but it doesn't surprise him. And when we do, he forgives us every single time. And it says he's just to forgive us our sins because of Christ, and he will continue to cleanse us. Does it say he stops cleansing us? says he continues to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. It's like this mop. One of my first jobs, I worked at Toys R Us way back in the day. And one of my first jobs was to mop the floor when a kid peed on it or threw up. It's one of the first things, you know? And what happens is, is people tend to make messes. People tend to make lots of messes. Dylan's especially messy. But what happens is when we, when we sin, we make a mess, right? But God, when we confess our sins, admit them to him, his light uncovers them, and it says he'll be faithful to forgive us every single time. And God not only forgives us, but then God helps us clean up our mess. I don't know about you, but I've made a lot of messes in my house even now. 
But the thing is, God always forgives us, and he always helps us clean up our mess. He's not going to do it for you, but he will help you clean up your mess. Sin, being a castaway sometimes, can make a mess of your lives. But God is here to help you clean it up as if nothing was ever spilled. Does that make sense? Does that make sense? So what, Pastor Darrell? Here's the deal. So what? Romans 8.28 says, We know that God causes everything to work together for good of those who love God and are called according to his purpose. God can take our present and our past and work it together for our good. Your sins, your screw up, he can take it. Your mistakes, he can take them. I'm going to tell you, every week you come here, I tell you all kinds of my mistakes growing up. All kinds of dumb dating things I did. All kinds of dumb, stupid stuff I've done. Some things I wish I could change, and some are just flat out funny because it's just life. I have no shame. Some of y'all can name some of the people in these stories. But the point is, God helps us clean up our mess, and he works it together for good. But no, here's the catch is, it says those that who love God. And if you love God, you don't want to stay in sin. If you love God, you don't want to stay a castaway. If you love God, and notice, it's for his purpose. So if, as we pray very briefly, all heads bowed, all eyes closed. If you will uncover your sins before Jesus, he will cover your sins with his blood. And the Bible says our sins are as far as, as the east is to the west, never to be remembered again. The Bible says that if we put it in the blood, it's gone. It says we're justified. The book of Romans says we're justified by the blood of Jesus, meaning just as if we never sinned. So when God forgives us and helps us clean up our mess, he doesn't remember it. Remember, he doesn't count these things against you. With every head bowed and every eye closed. Let me go ahead and say this. Conviction and regret and even remorse will draw you back to God the Father. It's not all bad. See, 2 Corinthians 7 says, God designed us to feel remorse over sin in order to produce repentance that leads to victory. This leaves us with no regrets, but the sorrow of the world produces death. See, Sometimes God will, we will feel remorse or regret over sin, and it's all meant to draw us to repent to God. And repentance means all we do is, yeah, we we're sorry, but it means to change the way you think and go God's way and not your way. And it says it leads to victory. What kind of victory? Victory in life? Yes, but victory over sin itself because Jesus Christ and the Holy Spirit will empower us to defeat and conquer sin and no longer be a slave to it. With every head bowed, every eye closed. God made us who knew no sin, made Jesus who knew no sin to become sin so that we could be the righteousness of God. If you're in here today, Pastor Darrell, what you're talking about, I've asked those three questions. Am I loved? Does God still love me? Am I still saved? Can I be forgiven or am I forgiven? You might have been one of those people, or maybe you could relate to that darkness. If that's you, lift up your hand, however we can see it. Our leaders just want to know who they're going to be praying for when we go into squads. I see one. 
Heads bowed, please be respectful. I see two. Anybody else? Come on, we got a moment for you. It's between you and the Lord. Can I just go ahead and tell you, we don't judge you, but we were once that person who lifted their hand. There's three. Hmm. 1 John 1.9 is your verse. 1 John 1.9 is your verse. If that's you and you lifted your hand, maybe somebody else needs to lift their hand. You're, you just need to go to God in prayer yourself right now and confess your sins to him. He's just and faithful to forgive you and cleanse you and help you clean up your mess. You just need to tell God what it is and say, God, help me clean up my mess. And he'll do it. He'll do it. I'm going to give you guys just a minute. Anybody in the room? Anybody else that maybe said, man, I need to lift my hand? That's me. All right. Lord, every sin. And Lord, there's going to be some that by the end of tonight, they're going to be coming to you in prayer, and you're going to give them a brand new start. You're going to help them clean up their mess. You're going to forgive them, and you're not holding anything against them. You love them, and you're inviting everyone in this room into a relationship with you, even the adults in the back. You're inviting everyone into a relationship with you, and their past is not to be held against them, and that Satan has no power. Lord, we take all authority over every lie and deception. Everything the devil has thrown their way, we pray by the power of the Holy Spirit that is broken off of their lives right now in the name and the authority of Jesus. I pray right now that truth is beginning to invade the hearts and the minds of this generation and the people in this room. Father, I thank you that lies and deception are being broken off, that the accusations that they hear stop now in Jesus' name. And Lord, that the loving whisper of the Holy Spirit is speaking to them and reminding them that they're sons and daughters of you, the Most High God, that you are King and you are Father and you love them and you're inviting them into the living room of your kingdom and saying, welcome home, child. Today is the day of salvation. Today is your new start because of Jesus. That's how much you love them. Thank you, Lord, for the peace that surpasses all understanding in Christ Jesus. Guard their hearts and minds in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.